Everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Sue, and today we have Oliver Emberton, who is the founder of Silk Tide and also, uh, in my mind, one of the top Quora uh, contributors. Oliver, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. So, Oliver, why don't you give us a little uh, background on yourself, and then you know we'll go from there. Um, okay. Well, the short story is when I was 21, I was about to graduate. I had no job. I had no money. I had no clue what on earth to do with myself. So I did what any sensible student with 14 grand debt would do in that situation. I started my own business. Uh, it turned out I didn't. I really was hopeless at it. Um, I took on a, a partner. Um, who, my sales director, who started our second board meeting by punching me in the face. Um, and I basically subsisted off tins of baked beans donated from friends uh, a whole first year, uh, where we made a, a mighty profit of £200, which is about the value of one iPod touch. So um, not the most auspicious beginnings, but um, over the next 10 years, I managed to grow that um, into what became the largest digital agency in our county. And then uh, it, I basically reached this point where everyone was suddenly had gone from, wow, why are you doing this, to you must be really successful. And it turned out I hated what I was doing. I actually didn't like what I'd, I'd become at all. Um, I basically built the wrong business. Um, so I then took this rather unusual step of sort of completely reinventing the company that I'd created um, about two years ago. And uh, I turned it into a software company, which is what I really wanted to do in the first place. Uh, it was a bit of a gamble. We threw away hundreds and hundreds of clients, and uh, it turned out it worked out rather well. So we've been trebling in size ever since then, um, and I've never been happier, and I've never been more successful. So Got it. Cool. That's so, my story in a nutshell. Great story. And it almost sounds to me like, and correct me if I'm wrong, this almost sounds like a, a 37 signals move from you know, being more, doing more consulting things to going into software. Is that more like that? Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, I think the, the problems I'd had were probably very similar to what I imagine they did. Um, mm -hmm. Working for clients is a way of, it's almost like, uh, instead of being an entrepreneur, you're almost working as an employee. Mm -hmm. um, you have assistants, but you're basically working as an employee for someone else because they're paying mostly for your time. Mm -hmm. And when someone's paying for your time, it's very hard to scale yourself out and to do real success. Um, I found that the real success comes from building things, and uh, as soon as we we pulled ourselves away from that and were brave enough to try it, we we've had all the success we could hope for. Nice, great. So um, you know, beyond I mean, beyond Silk Tide, Silk Tide, you know, we can definitely go go into it as well. Um, you know, for Cora, I mean, you you know, you you shared your stats. I mean, four point nine three million views on Cora, and then your blog. You know, I think six six million visits. I mean, how long did it take you to get that that six million for your blog first? Um, the six million was a bit crazy. I'd love to say it was all uh, brilliantly planned. It was slightly accidental. Um, I had a couple posts go viral in the last two months, and they basically took a blog that was doing sort of forty, fifty thousand a month, and just exploded it. Um, so, like the average is a million a month, but in reality, nearly all of that came in the last two months. Wow. Um, I um, I was I was lucky, but in a, in a weird way, I didn't realize this is very similar to the business. Um, how I'd accidentally been doing the right things. I'd love to take credit for it. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing I did right with my business was I started it. I didn't know how to do the business, but that was the most important thing. Um, with Cora, it was similar. I I didn't know, obviously. I never joined it thinking, hey, I'll, I'll get millions of hits. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, by writing consistently, I found I developed uh, skills in that area, and I was surprised to find that people enjoyed them, and so I just kind of compounded that. Mm -hmm. um, with the personal blog, by the time I started that, um, it was really just an experiment. Like I thought I'd diversify from Cora, see how it, it did. Mm -hmm. And for a few months, I wasn't even sure. It was it was a bit like I think like a lot of bloggers when you start off, you're putting in all this effort, and you're really not sure is this even is this even worth it. Mm -hmm. I was writing three articles a week and uh, putting in crazy hours into doing it, and I, I was having modest success. And I actually found I had a lot more success when I did less articles, I was doing like one a week, mm -hmm. uh, putting more time into them and making sure they were better. Mm -hmm. And then just learning a few tricks about um, well, what people really appreciate in articles and, and what makes articles spread. And that's been the, the big revelation for me in the last couple of months. Got it. You know, what's really unique about your Quora posts, I mean, they're consistently highly upvoted. I, I continually to read what, what you say. And then you, it's, it's the illustrations that you have. And then you also take a, 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 you know, a different spin on things. So, I mean, can you kind of walk the audience through kind of what your process is for putting a post together? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So I get asked to write lots of things. And um, the, the truth is, there's not actually perhaps a lot I can write. Most of what I do is rejecting ideas. So I will go through, you have no idea, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I probably 60, 70% of what I start writing doesn't go anywhere. I just scrap it, I, I move on. Um, and I've got at any one point on my phone, I've got literally hundreds of ideas. I write ideas, I'm like on my way to work, I'm in a bathroom, doesn't matter. I write down an idea. And then I take a, a solid block of time, like a day, and I take the whole day, and I, I go into a, a quiet room where no one can reach me, and I work for my ideas, I scribble them on boards, and I, I just, having that like that solitude and having that concentration for a solid block of time, so I might only do that once every four weeks, mm -hmm. but in that one day, I can write like two, three, even four really solid posts, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's very different from what I think I, I did at the start, which I think is what most people do, which is, oh, I've got an hour, I'll knock something out quickly, right? In my experience, if I'm spending an hour on something, the odds of it being that good aren't that high. So I put in a, a lot of time, a lot of concentration. I'm willing to scrap things. Um, and I, I always look for stuff where I can say something unique because, like, I don't know, if I was going to do a self-help post and I could say something like, you know, put first things first, well, you know, who cares, right? Everyone's heard that a thousand times, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not that it's bad advice, it's just it's cliched, you know it, you're not going to be moved by it, you're not going to care to read it. Mm -hmm. um, so I might find a way, and in that example, where um, I, I represented that through Jedi Knights. Yep. So I said, the secret to mastering your time is Jedi time tricks. Now that gets people interested, because they're like, what? I, I don't know what to expect now. It's actually the same essential point, mm -hmm. which you know, are important things and urgent things, they're in competition and you have to prioritize what's important over what's urgent but I tell that story through rescuing princesses and Jedi Knights and it's a lot more interesting mm -hmm. so um, a big part of I guess the recipe is trying to think of um, a compelling way to not just to inform someone but to entertain them along the way that that draws them in and, and I don't know it's I can't say I've perfected it but I'm I'm constantly refining that approach I'm always looking at the success of past articles and trying to learn what does and doesn't work and I ask people a ton of questions. You, you probably don't see this, but there's, mm. uh, there's people I ask. If I, if I have a post on Quora go badly, mm. which for me is about, I guess, 
well, hundreds of votes. I'm, I'm normally aiming for thousands. So mm -hmm. if I get something that gets a, a hundreds of, of upvotes, I'll ask this kind of uh, group of people who I trust the, the judgment of, and I'll say, tear my post apart. Tell me everything that's wrong with it. I want to know exactly why you think this kind of bombed. And I'll get some brutal feedback. But if you're willing to that and really pay attention to it, you can improve yourself very quickly. So. Got it. Yeah. It, it, so, I mean, it sounds like you, you're just willing to put in time where other people aren't. And I'm just one of those guys that just, you know, I'll write a post, you know, I'll slam it together in like one to two hours. But you will lock yourself in a room. You'll, you'll, put, you'll batch the post together. And then, you know, you're really looking for the feedback as well. And this, I mean, you know, this approach of just, it's not just approach for writing. It's a, the same approach for like business as well. And same for personal as well, right? Yeah, um, I forget. I think it was Penn or Teller, one of them, that said that magic may just be putting in more hours than anyone else reasonably expects. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's great. Um, and like, if you take that, the most successful article I've ever had, right, which got like two and a half million hits in a week or something, mm -hmm. um, that took 11 hours to write and I did not plan on that. I thought, oh, this will take me four hours and I got into it and then I was doing drawings and I was refining it, I was scrapping the whole section and I knew I was onto something. I hadn't quite figured it out but I, it was worth the time, right? Um, I've usually found if you're willing to put in that crazy obsessive effort mm -hmm. that it usually pays off. Um, it sounds like maybe it shouldn't. You were thinking, well, I've only got an hour or two. Well, rather than writing like three blog posts that take an hour, how about taking four hours to write one? Just see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the time, it won't necessarily work. You might fail, but you'll learn so much in the process. That concentration, that, that passion, um, it tends to shine through, I find. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, really, that's, that's probably the essence of my secret is I just put in a lot of hours. Yeah. I think you're also willing to be, I mean, you know, beyond the hours, I think you're willing to be, um, you're willing to be different too. I mean, the, the whole, so you I mean, the, let's talk about the designs, right? You, you, you've drawn all the, the, you know, the Jedi mind tricks things, you know, I've seen the Albert Einstein and the snake. So, I mean, what's the breakdown percentage of how long you spend designing, you know, those illustrations and then versus writing? Um, okay. I'd say I have to think off the top of my head. It's actually it's definitely more writing than illustrating. Um, the illustrating's easier to get right. Mm -hmm. Like if I write a decent article and I'm like, okay, I know I need these pictures, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's kind of mechanical for me. I can be like, okay, I know I need three pictures. I need Albert Einstein. I need whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Um, but if I haven't got the article there to start with, adding the pretty pictures would make no difference. I have made that mistake in the past. I write a substandard article. I try and decorate it up with some some art, and it doesn't make any difference it's just not worth it mm -hmm. um but on the other hand if you've got something that's good and you're like wow this this is potentially a powerful article and you yep. add that extra layer that takes it a step above that that i do think contributes to the virality of a lot of of what i've written mm -hmm. i totally agree with that i mean i guess in the internet marketing space you know people talk about you know having visual assets and all that people like linking to infographics all that i mean when you have something new and it looks nice i think i think people like you know, link you back to it. And I, I think I've linked back to a few of yours too, um, just because it looks so nice and it looks so novel. Um, and I, I think another point that I, I forgot to touch upon was that you're, <clears throat> you're willing to scrap things. Like for me personally, I'm just like, God, I've written this, like this, this has to go out for the most part. Right. I think a lot of people are just like, it's, it's the lazy, it's the resistance side. Right. You, you know, I know you had yeah. that little snake drawing the reptile. It's, it's like the reptile brain. So yeah, I think the willingness to scrap things is something I think people need to think more about. Um, and you say 60 to 70%, right? Um, it may even be high. I mean, it, it depends. It, 
I'd say 60 to 70% of what I start <coughs> writing as an article, I scrap. Um, in fact, it's probably even higher than that. It's probably near 80%. It's like, okay, so this weekend I wrote uh, three articles and I've literally, I've killed them. I've just gone, they're not going to be good enough. And I spent like four hours working on those and I just, they're in the bin. Um, now, I say they're in the bin. They're in a the pile where I may come back to them and think I've got a better idea. But at a certain point, I've come to realize um, it's better to focus. Uh, you'll know when you've got that article, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain ideas where you've got like, maybe the headline's a good start, right? If you can come up with a headline for an article and you're like, oh, I have to read that just from the headline, uh -huh. that's probably something you should do, right? Uh -huh. Like, uh, I know a common trick, I don't do this, but a common trick some people do is they write a tweet, and they write the tweet with the headline and nothing else, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, I, I have no idea what you'd write, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Um, what was it? One I was considering at the moment, take your dreams for a test drive. That's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking of writing at the moment. Um, so you might write something like that and just see what happens. Like, do people talk about it, tweet about it, anything, you know, do they come back? Uh -huh. uh, and if on the other hand it's just nothing, probably isn't the right title because if you've got a great article with a terrible title it'll go nowhere on the internet people don't mm. realize it the title's like probably should be 30 percent of your writing time it mm. isn't but it probably should be mm. because if your title's no good i mean it's the link in twitter it's the link in facebook it's the yeah. thing that appears in reddit and dig and it's the text and without that you're dead there's mm -hmm. there's nothing there so got it so you're saying put just put the headline there and then see if people engage with the people retweet it right just for the audience to understand I, I do, yeah, I think that's that's a good strategy. I don't okay. personally do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've kind of toyed with it, and I know a few good writers who do it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you've probably heard, um, I'm guessing you, you know Tim Ferriss, mm -hmm. uh, one of the tricks he used to do, or perhaps pioneered, um, with mm -hmm. product creation, is he would create a product, and he'd put pay-per-click ads out, and he hadn't actually made the product yet. He'd be like, all right, I've got an idea for golf clubs for... Um, I don't know, people who live in Cuba or something, right? That's my market. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put a pay-per-click ad out for that and a little page that says, you know, are you interested, fill in this form or whatever, and just see how many people click on it. Run five or six ads against each other. Mm -hmm. um, that's just an approach, but the point is it's very hard to know unless you're both lucky and or a genius to know what's really going to work. It's nice to test these things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still learning so much. Look at what Upworthy do. You know Upworthy have the ultimate headlines, right? Mm -hmm. They have the articles that get like 30 million hits or something just from a headline. But they don't do it by accident. They test them. They write like five or six headlines for each article mm -hmm. and then they share them to different people and they see which one grabs and then they kill all the rest and use the one that works. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you might think they're just really talented, but there is a degree of uh, of science behind it. Yep. I was just going to say science at the same time. So, um, you know, you talked a little bit about, um, you referred to your, your novel. Can you talk a little bit about your novel and why you're doing it? Yeah, sure. Uh, all right. So I'm not, I wasn't even a writer. <laughs> um, I run a company normally. This was kind of a side project. But um, when I started getting into Cora about a year or so ago, I I was helping my girlfriend move house, and I'd kind of arrived, and all of her stuff was. I was expecting it to be in boxes, and of mm -hmm. course, you know, you know, when someone says, "Oh, can you come over and help me move?" Yeah, and then they haven't actually put anything in boxes, and they're like, "Oh, I don't really know what I want yet." So I kind of arrived, and I was I wasn't doing much. So I, I got out my phone, and Cora, someone had asked, "How would a modern day evil genius take over the world?" And I was like, "I know." 
I know how modern Evil Day Jeans <laughs> are taking over the world. In fact, I've had this idea since I was like 15 years old. So I just wrote out this post on my phone, mm. like literally in like her living room for a bit, right? Posted it on the internet. Right, within five days, it'd gone completely viral. I got absolutely crazy amounts of traffic. But I, I also got, crucially, I got loads of people asking for the book. And I'm like, well, there isn't a book. I, I have no book. It's just a short story. <laughs> I just you know, made it up. And they were like, you have to write this as a book. And then I had some household names, uh, including one of my favorite authors and uh, a couple of other publishing companies and some TV and film companies all called up. And they were asking for rights. They were asking story I'd written in like I don't know an hour and a half or whatever it was I mean I'd had the idea for years but yeah. the writing didn't take very long at all um, so before I knew it I kind of got swirled up in all of this and I was trying to like someone was trying to get me an agent to negotiate rights and I'm like what's going on here this is crazy uh-huh. so I decided I had to write this story um, I'd, I'd always loved the idea of it, um, it the, the basic gist is um, a billionaire um, who's bored, you might think like a modern day Steve Jobs or whatever, who's kind of bored with his success, yep. uh, decides he's going to try and end world poverty. He's just had it, I'm going to fix it, everyone else has been messing around, I'm going to get this done, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, his approach for getting it done may have some negative side effects, which I'll leave to your imagination and hopefully the conclusion of the book. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of the modern day anti-hero um, and it's got a lot of interesting themes, but uh, I've been writing that for about a year now, so it's a side project. Um, it, it's simple because, of course, it has. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I'm hoping the first one will be finished uh, fairly soon. And uh, yeah, it's good fun. Got it. So it, I guess this kind of segues into um, you know your your about me page. I mean, you know, you want to make Silk Tide into this Fortune 500 company, and then after that. You know, you want to go into, you know, helping uh, do, do, do a lot of philanthropy, right? So it almost sounds like you might be this this person in the book, right? Is this kind of how you're imagining it, sort of? Uh, I think I've been busted here. I'm in trouble. Uh, we need to end it now. Um, yeah, there's obviously a degree of uh, myself in it, I suppose. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably not the first person to say that. But um, hopefully I'm not the main character because the main character is, well, you, you wouldn't want to make that comparison when you've read the book is all I'd say. But yeah, there's, it, it helps to have some familiarity in the in the uh, world that they would live in. Got it. And when, when can we expect the book to be out? I would love to give you a date, but every time I've been asked that question, it's been wrong. So I'm just going to say um, I'll announce it on my website, and there's a little thing you can follow it on there. But Sounds good. I can't take it right now. Stay tuned, guys. Um, cool. So, I mean, you know, you, you spend a lot of time creating the, the content, right? I mean, do you do any, any um, how do you promote the content? I'll just ask that. You mean on my blog? It could be your blog. It could be Cora. But is there any way, like, do you go, like, try to submit it to Reddit? Do you try to, you know, stumble upon it? Any type of distribution? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do do all of those things um, with varying levels of success. I found um, the two big mistakes you can make. One is you can say, I've written great content, and so it'll be viral and successful. That almost never happens by itself. And the other mistake is to be like, right, I'm going to do all of the social promotion, and so my content's going to be really viral. And that doesn't work either. You basically have to do both. Mm -hmm. Um, Generating the content is hugely important, right? But um, for, for getting an angle like to get Reddit or Dig to pick it up, I mean, I've been on the front page of them for a few times, and it, it's having material that is appropriate for their audience that they would want to share. Mm-hmm. This is actually something that people miss completely. Um, you can have articles that people like reading, but they don't want to share them. Mm-hmm. You, for example, if you had an article that told someone how to, I don't know, um, 
deal with being overweight or something, right? Let's just, um, have, let's just say diarrhea. Let's make it more Yeah, extreme. diarrhea, exactly. <laughs> people don't, even if it's the best article in the world, people probably don't want to share that with their grandmother on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and so you, you can, one of the, the general rules is you usually want to make an article fairly upbeat um, if you can help it. Negative articles don't tend to do very well. Um, but if you're looking at specific audiences, like I had success recently, I was in like The Verge and um, I can't even think now, uh, a ton of tech press. Um, and they picked up the gaming article because it had an angle for them mm -hmm. that they knew if they shared it, it would benefit them. And that's crucial. Like the first level is making sure but if you can get to the point where a publication wants to share it, mm -hmm. like um, say Forbes likes your article enough to think that they will get traffic by putting it on their site, then it's very easy to win them over. Um, you don't get a lot of luck calling up Forbes and saying, hey, I've written an article and you should share it. That just doesn't, that just mm -hmm. bounces off their shield. Um, but uh, I've had a lot of success writing stuff which. I know would go down well with, say, a tech audience. That, mm -hmm. That's usually a very easy one to, to work with. Um, or maybe uh, a relationships advice audience or something like that. And then the publications that would pick up that up, it's often worth finding out the people they listen to rather than approaching them directly. So I know, for example, if you want to approach BuzzFeed or something, you've got no hope, right? Mm -hmm. You're never going to get Mashable. You're not going to get within 100 miles of them. But you'll find there's a lot of people they follow on, say, Twitter. Uh, it's worth looking at. Uh, a lot of people that they, a lot of blogs that they uh, subscribe to or re, uh, republish material, talk to them. And that's a very easy way of getting uh, an inroad mm -hmm. uh, that can escalate very quickly. So I recommend that. Got it. So you go one level lower first and then, you know, hopefully try to get to the higher level. Yeah. And also you play them. Sorry, this is cheeky, but it's true. Mm -hmm. You play them off each other. If you wrote to, um, it doesn't work with Reddit, of course, because they're user submitted. But if you can yeah. say, to Mashable, something like, um, so I was on the front page of Hacker News and I just got like, I don't know, 5,000 likes in 10 minutes or whatever you've got, right? Yeah. And that gives you a bit more of an inroad. But once you've got someone like a Mashable or a New York Times or a Forbes, you can then go to someone else and say, well, Forbes are running this article, so why aren't you? Mm -hmm. And then it just cascades. Uh. So that, that definitely helps. Um, the trick is getting in at the beginning. I found the most success with places like Hacker News and uh, Reddit, um, Dig, etc., uh, stumble upon as well recently. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got that kind of organic user vote and you've got just enough of a following to get it started, then you can, you can, you know, say my article's got a couple thousand likes in the first, mm -hmm. you know, couple hours. Why aren't you running it? You probably should. So. Got it. So just to be clear, um, so I mean, here's here's what I'm thinking out loud. I mean, your content is obviously a few notches in my mind above other people's, right? So. That's why it can do well for, for organic promotion. Do you do any type of paid promotion? Um, I've played with it, um, mostly for my company, not for myself. Um, I found that it's, my, my, my personal experience, um, and this may not match for everyone, is that it's a way of getting vanity um, traffic. Mm -hmm. So what I mean is, and there may be exceptions to this, so I don't want to like disparage it completely. But for example, mm -hmm. Facebook, I know for a fact you can pay and get likes on Facebook very easily. It's not even that expensive if you know what you're doing. Um, but the problem is the people that you then get following you are often sock puppet accounts or they're not real or they're, they're people who don't even speak your language and they clicked it by accident or I have no idea where they get these people from. But mm -hmm. they're not really the kind of people you want in your community. Um, and 
it's usually very obvious. Now, there can be some value to that because it can add a little bit of um, – sometimes those vanity metrics matter. Like if you started a brand new Facebook page and you have 13 likes, no one's going to want to like you because you have 13 likes, mm -hmm. right? So it might be worth just tipping that to 500 or excuse me, or a thousand or something, mm -hmm. um, just so that you've got a little bit more credibility mm -hmm. um, for all the real people. But what I wouldn't recommend is those people who go out there and they spend a fortune getting 100,000 followers on Facebook, which you can do quite easily, and then none of them actually really care about them. None of them are actually following them. It just looks good. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, Core is a great place, actually, for building up a real following. That's one of the best places I've discovered for, for building up people who follow you based on your content rather than based on you know, say how many followers you've already got, mm -hmm. which t tends to be how places like Twitter and Facebook work. Got it. Okay, cool. So here's the thing. I mean, with, with, with Hacker News, with Reddit especially, right, they're very, very hard. I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if your content's not that good, they'll rip you apart, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, how, I mean, there's unique ways to promote on Hacker News. There's unique ways to promote on Reddit. I mean, how, how would you promote, like, let's say you're a piece of content on Reddit? What's your, what's your spin on that? I gotta be honest. Reddit is tough. All right, you're right. Um, even when you get an article that does well, um, you'll always find, well, nearly always find, disproportionately negative comments. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, something to be wary of, because I've had this far too many times, is when you post something on, say, Reddit or whatever, and you'll have like I don't know a thousand upvotes, and you'll have like I don't know. 30 comments that are almost entirely negative, right? Mm -hmm. And then people saying, I hate you and I want you to die mm -hmm. and I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to murder <laughs> your children. And it's a trolling evil stuff out there, right? Yeah. And I think some, something to be said with the fact that um, most people, when they like something, just go, oh, like. And most people, when they hate it, they write a comment. Mm -hmm. So comments are, yeah, something to be wary of. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about getting torn apart on Reddit. It usually means something's working. Mm -hmm. um, the trickier part, as you've probably noticed, is actually getting enough of a critical mass. I can't say I've cracked this one perfectly. I wish I had. Um, I usually I often find things have to be submitted more than once on Reddit, and a lot of it comes down to the category. If you're in um, a low traffic category, or if you're just trying to piggyback off a really big one that you don't really deserve to be in, like, say, funny, but you're mm. a business article, yeah. you, you, you are going to get dismissed pretty quickly. Um, in the end, I don't. I don't know many other techniques other than persistence and uh, writing really good content with snappy mm. headlines. Got it. Uh, so when I mean on Reddit, I know, and I'll, I'll I'll give you like personal experience. So when I post something to like you know slash entrepreneur or slash startups, um, they I mean you can only submit text only posts, right? So you know, do you have any? I mean, what what's how do you usually post? Do you just post a link? Do you post like do you give some context? What do you do exactly? I I post links. Because I'm mostly interested in driving people to my blog personally. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it's a weird situation because I'm not even, I'm not doing this for profit or anything. I mean, like my blog is like it's not a business. I know a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of do it for fun. Um, so I'm mostly interested in building the size of the audience, and um, and it doesn't do me as much good to have someone just having a pure text conversation on, on Reddit itself. Um, sometimes it, it totally bombs. I've had articles that I think are really good and they just haven't gone anywhere on Reddit. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've had some staggering successes and I think it's worth trying, at least with every article. You disappear very, very quickly. If you, don't, if you can't get like two or three upvotes, you're basically dead. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sorry, I wish I had a slightly easier formula for you. But I think it was, if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. 
No, it's really good. No, I think you know we. I think the audience just needs to understand that you need to try promoting, and you know some things that work some in some category might not work in another category. I think the key is to just keep trying things and keep being persistent, like you said. Um, so overall, I mean, you know, what has what has Cora? I mean, what has you know building this big audience really meant for you? You know, personally and business wise. Um, well. It's a good question. I don't have a straight answer for you. Um, so like I said, it was kind of by accident. Um, I didn't intend to do this. I love writing. I always have. But I never imagined I'd be doing so much of it. Um, and what's really happened is I, I had a lot of success with it early on, which kind of led to a lot of people saying, hey, you should do more of that. And that's kind of grown and grown and grown mm-hmm. to this point where I've got this kind of sort of mini job on the side almost. Yep. Um, but the thing is, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And I do genuinely love doing it. Um, Sometimes I have to realize I always need to take a step back from it and just if I'm if this isn't something I'm enjoying doing I probably shouldn't be doing it because uh, it's like I said I'm not aiming to make money out of it I mean mm. probably the only thing it would help me with in the in the short run would be uh, promoting that book um, it would be great to have a larger audience when that comes out obviously I'd hate to write a book over two years and then find that four people read it and mm. two of them were my parents um, but uh, beyond that. I'm, the skills I've been learning, I definitely intend to apply to my business. Uh, we're launching a new product at some undetermined point, I can't tell you yet. And when I do, I can assure you I've been planning a blogging strategy that's taken the best of everything I've learned personally mm-hmm. and will be applying that to, to commercial ends. But, um, but that's a whole separate thing. Um, really, I, I think nowadays a lot of this is just, it's almost become a necessity um, if you want to be taken seriously in a given profession. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is you used to have a CV or a resume um, and you would say, hey, I'm this guy and this job and you'd have some certificates and some degrees or whatever. And I don't think that means that much anymore. Mm-hmm. I think people increasingly are like, if, if you're a great coder, I want to see your work. Yeah. Are you on GitHub? Are you um, an open source contributor? Are you blogging about something? Are you, you know, whatever your your niche is, there's an avenue now to to explore that and to communicate that and share it with other people. So if nothing else, it just adds to my credibility. I can't tell you exactly where that will take me, but I'm pretty sure it will be a useful place. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I mean, once you have an audience, I mean, you can pretty much decide whatever you want to do with it, um, yeah. which is really powerful. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and, and that, this is the funny thing. I mean, a lot of the things you said, you know, it's been accidental, right? But you, you're accidentally <laughs> like doing the right things. And I think... It, my my takeaway is like you just keep you're you're persistent with it right you're yeah I I think that's what I'm taking away from all of this anyway um but um I mean in terms of you know I mean who are you trying to help exactly with your post is it I mean I know I I've read in the past that you you're very specific with like what you pick so I mean what what's your target audience I guess hmm good question um. I like to create things that I think make a difference. Okay, so what I mean is um, people ask me sometimes, they ask me a really narrow question, like, I don't know, something about their specific business or whatever, and I don't really want to write about that much. Mm -hmm. I want to write the post that will help 10,000 people, not two people. Mm -hmm. It's a bit harsh, and I know that's not for everyone, but Mm -hmm. I generally think in terms of significance. So there are some lessons I've learned, and I'm thinking, oh, I have to share this. Like how can you not know this incredibly valuable piece of information, like the importance of questions or what I mentioned about, you know, first things first or whatever. They, they may be simple, but um, they're so powerful and they're often under, 
underutilized or just obscure. So I like to communicate that. I, I think the audience is very varied. I found I've got pretty much an even male female split mm-hmm. and across all ages. And I, I really, I couldn't even really tell you. It's it's people who want to make more from their lives and mm-hmm. are open minded to doing that. I'd say that's that's all it is really. Perfect, and that actually segues directly into my next question. I mean, you're, I think overall you're trying to hit more people and you're trying to improve their overall lives, and I, I guess try to get them to improve, right? Um, and hmm. I think that that's a huge thing. So you know, your your about page. I mean, on your site, you know, OliverEmberton.com. It's it's obviously it's, it's to me it's. It's very, it's very ambitious. It's very specific too. You know, you want to have a Fortune 500 company. You know, as I mentioned earlier, and then you want to go into philanthropy, and then you want to. I think you want to. Um, and you say you also read two to four books a week, right? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, wh- why, why are you know? <laughs> can you elaborate on why you're aiming for? Um, why, why are you aiming for the stars? Right. There's uh, something I've heard said before. If you aim big, you almost never fail. And what I mean by that is like, okay, so say you, you aim to write a Facebook post, right, which is not a big goal, is it, really? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I wrote a Facebook post. Well, you're probably not going to fail that, but it's not going to change the world much. On the other hand, say you say, I'm going to write the greatest novel of my generation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty ambitious and possibly unwise. You, you've got a good chance that you'll fail. Mm-hmm. But if you try, say you literally set yourself the task of, I am... I, I'm actually gun against my head. I'm going to write the greatest novel of my generation. As stupid as that probably is, chances are you'll accomplish something pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, you may, you probably won't write the greatest novel of your generation, but you'll probably do something pretty damn awesome. And even if you completely fail to finish your novel, you'll learn incredible things. You know, your writing will probably go leaps and bounds forward. You might learn about book promotion. You might learn about how difficult it is to do something like that. And for all you know, that that transforms into a new career or a new life lesson or or something else that advances you um, and your potential. I I found, you said earlier that I, I kind of sound like I've done everything by accident. And that's true to a large extent. I've tried lots of things. And I found the ones that work, and I've really pushed them, and I've dismissed the ones that don't. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of business ideas I've toyed with, things, experiments, whatever, and I'm sure most entrepreneurs are like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear about the successes. You don't hear about everything else. But um, it's only through doing that, through pushing those bold ideas, that you ever find out what you'd like in the first place. Who wants to aim for a small idea? Who wants to go, oh, my ambition in life is to stay 9 to 5 and hopefully retire early enough to not be you know, incapable of enjoying my vacation. I mean, it's just, it's boring. So I'd rather shoot for something completely insane and see how far I get. Yep. I mean, shoot for the stars, land on the moon, right? And yeah. it's funny that you mentioned the, the, you know, who wants to do the nine to five thing? Because I've actually heard that before from people where it's like, honestly, I just want to be a housewife. And I'm, and I'm just like, oh, cool. But anyway, <laughs> um, you, yeah, I guess you'd be surprised by, by, by some people's responses sometimes. Um, so, um, you know, Biggest struggles in life, I mean, you know, what have you learned from them? Because I, I feel like, you know, you're, I, I, you know, I, I feel like there's just, there's got to be some kind of story behind it. Oh, there's plenty of stories. Uh, how long you got? Um, Forever. Biggest... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, okay. Wow, that's quite a question. Um, hmm. So when I first started, I was, I cannot emphasize enough how hopeless I was when I started doing all of this, right? So I was uh, completely lacking in any confidence. I didn't know how to talk to people. I couldn't imagine myself giving a presentation, never mind winning any sales. Mm-hmm. That's why I got my, my business partner who punched me in the face because he, <laughs> he was the sales guy. Um, he didn't know anything at all, but I just assumed he did. 
Um, I was, I don't know, you could take everything. I was hopeless from relationships to, to business to, well, pretty much every skill. But um, the thing was, I, I realized that I, it's not like I'm alone in that, right? Um, there's very, very few problems in the world that haven't been shared thousands or hundreds of thousands of times before. Like every guy or girl that comes to me and asks me a question about, say, a relationship or a business problem, and I kind of feel like saying, you know that they've been writing about this for like, 5,000 years, right? You can like literally pick out some Plato or something and you could, you know, your answer is there. Right. And if you're just willing to actually look around a bit, read a little bit, or even just Google, you'd be amazed. Um, it was transforming for me because when I was learning a lot of this stuff, the internet was pretty new, right? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays we take it for granted, but it yeah. wasn't always there. And so I was reading books for the most part. I read psychology. That was a huge thing for me. Uh, coming to an understanding of evolutionary psychology made such a difference because I so like, instead of looking at people and going, why on earth are they doing that? That makes no sense whatsoever. I could go, oh, I, I get you now. You don't even understand why you're doing that, but I know why you're doing that. And that makes a big difference. That helps you understand things like why might my article succeed or how might I negotiate this contract better or how can I ask that pretty girl out for a dance. You know, whatever you want, it makes a big difference. So I'd say a lot of those skills are never taught in school and most people pass them by. Um, I think it makes a massive difference. If you're just willing to go out there and learn a little bit outside, um, it, it can transform what you're capable of. Got it. And is there, is there an evolutionary psychology book that you can recommend to the audience? Yeah. Mm. There's about 10, but I'd say the first one, um, Try How the Mind Works by Steven Pinker. Okay. Um, it's oft overlooked. Like I said, it's the, it's the first one probably I read uh, mm -hmm. that made a difference at the time. Um, you can go through everything from you know Dawkins to – there's plenty of more scientific literature out there. Mm -hmm. But for a good primer on uh, the basics and the application, that's a good place to start. Got it. Cool. So – you know, you, you mentioned reading two to four books a week, and that, that particularly interests, interests me because, I, you know, if I can even get one done per week, I'm pretty happy. So is there, any, um, is there any particular process that you can share with the audience to get that done? To be fair, right now it's nearer two, but that's because I'm writing so much, mm -hmm. and also I'm, I'm training for a 20-mile run over a mountain and a few other things. Nice. Um, but don't ask. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, you can definitely train yourself to read faster. There's a limit, so I wouldn't necessarily go all crazy speed read. But the simplest thing, uh, if, if you don't do this, seriously, this is just so basic, you can learn it in two minutes. Um, practice reading a line, like use a finger under your line or some kind of guide, right? And then just keep your finger moving down. Now, it sounds silly, right? You'd be, again, I hate to say you'd be amazed, but it's true. Actually looked at how you read normally, you read a line, and then you read down and then down and then you often go up again and you go down a bit and you go up again and you, you, you kind of skip back and forth, right? If you can train yourself to get into the habit of like consistently moving downwards, that's a first simple thing to do. The other thing is make sure your eye doesn't go all the way to the full to the left of the page and all the way to the right of the page. You want to kind of start your eye in a couple words in from the left and kind of skim off to a couple words off from the right. Um, if you're reading on the web, say Wikipedia, make sure your columns are narrow. So just take your browser window and squish it. Because if you're reading a column all the way from the left to the right 
and it's a long way, and then your eye has to skim backwards, you're, you're destroying the rate at which you can read. What you want to be able to do, ideally, is kind of just move your eye down the middle of the page. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you do it long enough, you'll, you'll be amazed. You can, you can pick that up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, reading quickly definitely helps. The other thing, of course, is just setting time aside to read. It's really important. makes a big difference. Got it. Cool. And for the audience, um, you know, there's a perfect guide on this. I mean, you know, you referred to uh, Tim Ferriss earlier. So if you guys look for Tim Ferriss and just put speed reading behind it, you'll find the exact process for how to do this. Um, so, yeah. you know, we talked about, you know, giving one book. Um, you know, I know you read a ton. So, you know, I usually ask um, what's one book you can recommend to entrepreneurs. But in your case, I'm going to give, you know, two or three. <laughs> okay. Um, the e-business myth. Okay. Um, is essential. It basically tells the story of every small business ever that's right. The, the mistake most small businesses make is they're started by someone who um, is good at what the business does. So, like, you're an accountant, so you start an accountancy company. You're a designer, you start a design company, right? And then what they find is that they try to get a second person or a third person to scale the business out, and they can't because they're really good at design or whatever, mm -hmm. and they can't find someone who's as good as they are. So they usually hire like an admin person or they hire a not-so-good designer, and they end up working harder now they've got someone else mm -hmm. than they did before they were on their own. And they usually find their business kind of tears itself apart, somewhere around two to three employees. It's honestly, I promise you, it's the most common problem I see all the time. So mm -hmm. it has all the answers and it will tell you what to expect. It's brilliant. Um, so let's see. Uh, business. If you want something bigger, I'd say good to great. I know it's a bit obvious perhaps, you know, um, but um, it's a great primer in some, some business fundamentals. And I'm going to go with something that isn't obviously or explicitly business. But I think if I was starting a business or telling someone to start one, I would say Seven Habits are Highly Effective People, which, strictly speaking, is not a business book. But it's personal development. And in my experience, if you're the founder and you haven't got your personal stuff sorted out, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're doing with the business. Like If, if your founder is uh, an emotional mess or a train wreck mm -hmm. of indecision and, and self-loathing, they're not going to get very far. So um, Seven Habits, if you just master the first one, three habits you are ahead of 99% of the planet and it's very easy to read and um, yeah it'll change your life great books um, so final two questions here um, morning ritual I'm sure you have some kind of crazy ritual correct me if I'm wrong <laughs> oh you'll be so disappointed um, <laughs> yeah my I'm, I'm pretty much a late morning person which I know is not conventional um, I normally get up at like 8 30 and I, I, the, the big thing with the morning for me is I want to get the most important thing done in the morning first. Mm -hmm. So, like, I go to work and I, I want the morning to be, you can't call me, you can't email me, I'm not even going to check my email. Mm -hmm. um, unless something is on fire, don't come anywhere near me. Yep. And, and I can use that time to get the really important thing, usually the really scary thing, done first. So if that's the bit where you've got the, the awkward call or the, the really important whatever, you've got to do that first. Mm -hmm. And then once you've got that done, it's very easy to fill the rest of your day with the minutiae stuff that invariably will come along yeah. the way. Um, after, I like to exercise, but I, at the moment I do that in the evening. I have to be honest, I'm pretty sure that I'm doing it wrong and that the smarter thing would be to do the exercise first thing in the day, but I have yet to pull myself out of bed early enough to do it. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't actually learn that lesson from me, but I would say the most important thing first thing in the day makes all the difference. Got it. So beyond that, I think that's also a good productivity hack. But, you know, my final question is always, you know, what's your favorite productivity hack? Oh, there's so many. Um, 
I couldn't necessarily say it's my favorite, um, but I would say questions. Uh, I don't know if you've come across this one before. Power of questions, asking yourself the right ones. So our brain has uh, a funny property. If you ask someone any question, they can't help it, even if it's subconscious. They will attempt to answer it, right? Mm -hmm. Even if they'll just associate the answer in their brain. Um, so the problem is people ask themselves really bad questions. Mm -hmm. They say things like, oh, what is wrong with me? And if they do that, well, the brain's basically going to answer with something like, well, you're probably an idiot or <laughs> you didn't work hard enough or nobody likes you or whatever it'll come up with, right? Now, that doesn't mean that's actually a real answer. It's just your brain ask, answering a stupid question, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so a, a useful trick I found is to, to consciously create questions that would provoke useful or sometimes dramatic changes. So for example, if you can say, you know, imagine you're really stressed at work and you're like, there's not enough hours in the day, right? And I just can't do it. I'm falling apart, right? Mm -hmm. Try asking yourself a silly question. Like it'll sound insane, but ask yourself a question like, "What if I only had three hours in a day, or something like that?" Right? What if I only had two hours and there's a gun against my head? You got two hours and you got to leave the office, right? Mm -hmm. What would I do? And if you just ask those questions, most people don't even dare to ask those questions. You ask those questions, sometimes you'll find out, well, there's an answer. And then that answer, you may not follow that literally, but that will point you in the right way to go. Um, so that's probably my, my one quick and dirty hack that I'd recommend everyone adopts if they don't already. Got it. So I, I lied. Uh, following up to that, I mean, you, I mean, there's got to be some kind of book where you can you know, figure, how, figure out how to ask better questions, right? Surely. Um, well, I got that idea off. Tony Robbins many okay. years ago. I, I think he did it on a DVD, but uh, if you haven't read Ultimate Power or any of the other Robbins, definitely worth checking out. Um, generally, I, I, like I, said, I haven't got his material in front of me and I don't even know if he wrote this, but I'd say that empowering questions are ones that, um, if you answered them, would help your life, mm -hmm. right? It sounds really obvious, but Again, so many people, what they do, their conversation, listen to the average conversation of so many people and it'll be things like, oh God, I can't believe to, no, that person got promoted and I didn't, or I've been here six years and they never noticed me and whatever, right? And I'm like, okay, all of those words are just air. They're just a complete waste of your life. None of it makes any difference. None of it will help you. It will just make you feel slightly better right now that you get to whine about it. Mm -hmm. But if you actually say things like, right, well, how could I fix that? And often the real questions are quite, they're a little bit painful, they're a little bit difficult, a little bit uncomfortable. Because mm -hmm. you might have to say things like, you know, the way that you fix your relationship might be that you have to leave it. The way you fix your job might be you have to move on, right? And so people avoid it because they're, they're scared of the answers. But mm -hmm. if, you can be, if you can be unapologetic about that, if you can entertain sincerely the question, you, you'll usually find the answers you're looking for right in front of you in the first place. Got it. Okay, perfect. So, Oliver, you know, thanks so much for joining us. You know, a lot of insight here. I think I think the audience is really going to appreciate. There's there's multiple takeaways here, not just on the marketing side, but personal side as well. So, thanks for joining us. You know, I hope to talk talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you.